But I must share something quickly. I, I, I may not even, guys that are doing PowerPoint, I may not go very long uh, through all the points because uh, I, I don't want to overwhelm you, but I must share a, a word that God gave me this last week. We've been seeing such outpourings, seeing scars on students that cut themselves disappear. Right in the middle of services, thousands touched this summer, tens of thousands. Those, who, who's been with me this summer with, with Remnant Rising? Because a, a heartbeat of this ministry is to get a generation baptized in the Holy Ghost. Because if we can change their tongue, we'll change their future. But at 43 years old, I, uh, I'm just now starting to figure out who I am. It's taken a long time, and some have been patient with me through that. But let, let me get into this for just a moment, because last Sunday night, a week ago Sunday night, I was preaching. I had spoken Tampa that morning, drove all the way to Jacksonville to speak at a church called Evangel Temple that I, I go to periodically. They do a big Sunday night blowout thing. And I get ready to speak, and I look over at the pastor. His name's Gary. And I look over at Gary, and I said, hey, isn't that so-and-so back there? And Gary goes, yeah. I said, did he retire? Because he used to serve on my board, the guy that I was pointing at. I said, did he retire? He said, no, he he messed up real good. I said, he fell. And my eyes just filled with tears. I'm about to walk on stage and preach this up, exciting, powerful message. And I was so angry. When we got to the altar, he was the first one that ran down. In fact, because of him, my message shifted. <laughs> the sermon changed. We got to the altar and I walked over and I just got down beside him and I had already walked back and hugged him and I walk over to him and I, I, get, I just sit down on the steps beside him. He's just weeping. He's 65 years old, I guess. Bear of a man and hey, Adam, I was just asking about you. And I just sat down by him and I said, why didn't you call me? Didn't you trust that you could call me? There's a couple in this room that understand what I'm talking about because you call me. But I must share a quick word to launch this conference. And I'm not going super heavy and I'm not going to bleed all over you. But I am going to tell you this, that uh, about three weeks ago uh, at 9-11 in the morning, some of you know what that means to me, that the Lord did an encounter with me about three years ago because I kept seeing 9-11 on my watch and on the DVR and on my phone. And I had stayed up till 3.30 in the morning finishing the final edit on my book. And I, I fell asleep and I was in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. And at 9-11 I woke up because I had to do a staff thing for their, for their staff, training them on branding vision and and i jump up out of bed and i'm like wow what time is it and i pick up my phone and it's 9 11 and the lord said go to the battlefields i think i text you because he told me to go and dance in the minefields because somewhere along the way i had quit trusting him and he began to expose me to me a morning spirit. See, my parents were drug addicts. They got saved and they just picked up, they, get, they let go of one set of drugs and picked up another one called ministry. So then I go work for a George and Phyllis Sawyer who showed me that it's not about that. And it was critical culture change. So I must share something simply titled, A Sad Day, Brother. What is that? Now, I have such a beer, uh, such a, a fear. I said a beer. I don't, I, don't, I don't drink. I don't drink. I don't go to Australia enough to. And 
But I have such a fear of uh, being a part of the forgotten. You know, in the Bible, there's a group called the forgotten. There's two groups that are forgotten. In Matthew 25, 41, he's going to say to those that never sold out to him, those that have never accepted him, depart from me. I never knew you. You know, God has a memory. He knits you together in the secret place, and that's why he hates abortion so bad is because in the middle of his knitting, they interrupt his conversation as he prophesies over that baby's future. But there's two groups that will be forgotten. Matthew 25, 41, we love to use that verse, man, for salvation. Depart from me, those on the left. That's why you should vote on the right. And, uh, but there's another group that we never talk about that's forgotten. It's Matthew 7 group. Matthew 7, 22. We cast out demons in your name. We healed the sick in your name. But he said, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. I looked up the word iniquity just this afternoon when I was praying about this. And, and it, it, you know what that term literally means? Gross injustice. Cave of Adullam was, Adullam means justice for the people. That's why David in 300 gathered there. But and workers of iniquity, those that are a part of gross injustice. You know what gross injustice is? Is to abuse the anointing God has promised you. That's a gross injustice. But I must share this because God began to speak some things in me. And I'm not going to go but just a few minutes. But he said to me that day, he said, I'm going to prophesy to your dry bones. And I began to dance before him and I called Karen. And I can't tell you, I'm going to be transparent. This is one of those throw up on you type of gatherings. Okay, is that all right? Because I called my sweetheart and and I said, how many times have you said to me, why can't we have fun in ministry? schedule calendar who's calling who's booking who's who where did i get to go all that paul called it dung if you're in the south it's crap but god told me to share this word with you this morning because i don't want to have to minister to your children at camp someday and when god began to speak to us about this conference even two weeks ago he spoke to me he said this conference is worth it because we were praying about the weight of the conference and all the different stuff with it tied to that and because we've never done one gosh we have a new respect for conference people but the lord spoke to me he said this conference is worth it if one little 10 year old little boy doesn't have to hear his daddy in the other room talking to his mama saying sorry so a, a pastor sorry honey i fell this is worth it this week. If one, one little boy doesn't have to hear in the bedroom the collapsing of a mama. When some man who's done a gross injustice says, I'm sorry, we've got to resign. We've, I've messed up. I'm a part of the fellowship of the moral failures. Here we go. And in 1 Kings chapter 13, it says this, and please take notes, but I'm going to hurry because I, I think Adam's got a prophetic word to share with you. But, but it says, and I'm using the Message Bible. I use it a lot. But this is a story that I'll come back to. In fact, I may, uh, team, I may jump all the way to the very end and just share this story. But, but in 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 30, and, and it's right up here, those of you, if you want to crick in your neck. It says, and we're going to be in there uh, tomorrow, but it says, He placed the body in his own tomb. The people mourned, saying, a sad day, brother. 
So that's the title of the message. It's a, it's a sad day, brother. See, because I can talk to you for a long time. And some of you have heard me at all the conferences or camps when I share the leadership, which is my heart. Um, the years of feeling inadequate, the years of mourning, the years of not getting free. Uh, one person sitting in this room said to me one day, there's a moment when you finally resurrect and quit redecorating the same old tomb. And that was George Sawyer. He may not remember it, but he said it to me one day. And I realized that, and the Lord spoke to me in the minefields of Gettysburg as I was dancing before him. I looked like a freak. I'm out there dancing and I'm out there praising him. And, and all of a sudden, Sudden, all of a sudden as I'm out there praising him he uh, tour bus are going by in Gettysburg I, I love what the pastor there his name's Jim Ruddy he said to me he said Pat he said do you know what it's like to pastor in a city where the graveyard is where they make their money <laughs> I thought well welcome to ministry but I was dancing before him and he said Pat you've had a morning spirit on your whole life you've got to get free and I called her Oh my goodness, we got free on the phone, didn't we? I just began to weep and cry out. And gosh, you have those seasons of revelation where God changes you and, and you're just different and you don't care about stuff and what used to matter doesn't matter anymore and how many numbers you have doesn't matter anymore and who knows your name doesn't matter anymore and, and whether or not you're important to everybody doesn't matter anymore and all that matters is that you can dance. And the vacuum so often, God gave me this yesterday when I was jogging. He said, uh, day before yesterday, the vacuum we often feel in our spirit is not a vacuum of unopened doors, but a vacuum of God's jealousy for his bride. Let me tell you something. He never called us to walk the bride down the aisle. We're called to be the one on his arm walking down the aisle. But the minute you think that you've got to get them down the aisle is the moment you forget who you are and you try to take his place and play substitute teacher. When he says, you need to be reminded this morning or this afternoon that we are the bride too. And the call of God was never, never designed to give you a license to arrest the sinner while you live in a jail cell called unfulfilled purpose. And what you got to realize, we're not even going to show the video. We got a video, we're not going to show it. Although you did a great job putting it together that last minute. Thank you. It's a brand new word. But uh, number one, write this down. I'm going to jump to the very end. But this calling you have, and this is my heartbeat. And again, please interrupt me. There's no green room this week. Not going to be back there sliding out on stage doing my thing. No, we're here for you. Interrupt us. Come up to my father's. Say, can I, can I have a minute of your time? Because every one of the leaders that are speaking at this conference literally said to me, they said, I, I, they did it for free. I said, I'll do it. I just want to pour into this generation. They get it. It's legacy. But here's what you must understand. Let me just give you some points because we wouldn't be Pentecostal without points. This calling you have, isn't, it isn't by chance. It's so easy to walk up to our parents and say, Mom and Dad, I feel called. But that's not really the best way to describe what you are. In fact, what you don't realize, every one of us in here are miracles. That's what makes it great. We got something from him that we go, oh my gosh, I got to give this away. Psalms 107, verse 10, some of you were locked in a dark cell, cruelly confined behind bars, punished for defying God's word, for turning your back on the high council, a hard sentence, and your heart so heavy and not a soul inside to help. Then you called out to God in your desperate condition. He got you out in the nick of time. He led you out of your dark, dark cell, broke open the jail. He led you out. So, so thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. He shattered the heavy jailhouse doors. He snapped the prison's bars like matchsticks. 
gift, the call of God really cannot be defined. You can't define it. And really, it's not a weekend journey or some short season experiment. It's a lifetime thing. It's the end. I mean, it's from now till you die. You have the call. Romans eleven twenty nine. God's gifts and call are irrevocable. You can't walk away from the kiss of God. Now, you can run from it, but you'll be miserable. And some of the most miserable people I've ever met are the ones that ignore the call of God. And the best way to know you're called to preach is you wake up thinking about it and you go to bed thinking about it. And everything that happens to you would be a great sermon illustration. And if you ignore it, you're going to be a mean board member. Amen? Jesus defined the call. Matthew 10, verse 40. We're intimately linked in this harvest work. That's when we're all together. We're intimately linked in this work of the harvest. Anyone who accepts what you do accepts me, the one who sent you. Anyone who accepts what I do accepts my Father who sent me. Accepting a messenger of God is as good as being God's messenger. Accepting someone's help is as good as giving someone help. This is a large work. Everybody say large work. He said, it's a large work I've called you into. Don't be overwhelmed by it. See, I know some of your stories. I know John Brown sitting back here that pastors at one of the largest AG churches in America, but they don't know that he's in the hospital usually about this time every year. I prayed so hard that you wouldn't be in the hospital that you'd be able to come here. I, I know some of your stories. Jason, hey Jason, right back here. We went and prayed for his brother three weeks ago in Houston. Nate and I did, but he buried him last Friday. See, I know some of your stories. It's good to see you, my friend. You're a nation shaker. See, I don't know Tim McCain, but you'll hear about Tim McCain when he's preaching to the world. But see, God began to speak to me about this conference. He said, tell them, your calling is not up to you. You understand that, right? Write that down. I love what William Booth said. William Booth is one of the quotes I keep on my wall that I read periodically. But he said this. Uh, have you got that quote? Do you have that quote? Not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of, of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful well for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you. Felt good to cuss. The damned entreat you to go to the Father's house and bid the brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. Then look in the, in the face whose mercy you have professed. Then look, excuse me, then look Christ in the face whose mercy you profess to obey and tell him whether you will join heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. <laughs> I love that. Not called? But it's easy to get weary, isn't it? It's easy. It's why you come to a conference like this. Pat, I'm, I've, I've got more texts in the last couple of days. Pat, I'm weary. Pat, I'm tired. You know, one of the questions I ask myself almost every morning, and I hope Pastor Hennessy hits this a little bit, but he says he, he does these 10 things, and he checks his attitude every morning because passionate people are usually, gosh, we battle with the flesh so much. And, and one of the things that I have had to ask myself lately is, does my family want to be pastored by me? Who does Karen wake up to? The revivalist? The fun dad or the discouraged preacher who somewhere along the way, I did not think God was big enough 
You start thinking yourself as second class and we preach freedom while we ourselves are bound and we begin to blame our circumstances and people have the power to determine the very temperature that we set in our own homes and, and, and our kids are wondering, is it gonna, was it a good Sunday? I hope it's a good Sunday because it's going to be a good week. Was the offering good? And that enemy stands there at our front doors and, and then the, the, I call them anointing invaders. The spirit of this age comes on you. You'll watch the news. You'll watch what's going on in Egypt today. You'll watch what's going on in, in our nation and you want to say, wake up, people. Do you realize we're driving this thing right off a cliff and then, and then, and then y- y- people come to you and you get attacked. I've been confronted twice this year in the middle of sermons. Well, once in the middle of a sermon and once out in the foyer of a church. But once was on television when I said homosexuality, you're not born that way. Um, there's no proof. And I give the apologetics of it because I did a study on it. It's in my book. And, and, and you're not born gay. It's a product of an action, a choice or environment. There's no uh, proven scientific um, uh, anything they can prove you but I mean, I've been confronted in the middle of a service a young lady from an Indian reservation came walking up and confronted me so the spirit of this age can it's anointing invader it can make you weary and tired and I love what Greg, Greg Bell said from Gordon Cromwell he, he made this statement he said the spirit of this age makes sin seem normal and righteousness strange it was on TV last night the new normal the new normal was on TV last night got great ratings it's because there's a book there's an incredible book you should get this seven men that that rule the world from the grave and it's from Nietzsche to Freud to Maynard to Keynes to uh, Kierkegaard to uh, and it talks about how they're ruling the world from the grave they're still in our heads that the humanism mentality and all this stuff and and second john 1 7 there are a lot of smooth talking charlatans loose in the world who refuse to believe that jesus christ was truly human of flesh and blood a human being give them their true title deceiver antichrist and the minute you accepted the call of God, the minute you said, God, use me, the radar turned on you. Hell's radar went, da, 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 da. I mean, suddenly everything started coming at you. We fight devils other people don't fight. We fight wars other people don't fight. We walk through this thing, and yet we put the smile on, and we look holy. But I'm come to tell you, it's a sad day, brother. That's what God told me because there's a flesh-eating bacteria out there called self and it will stop you from being great from changing the world from ministering life i am so tired of preaching altar calls where young men and young women say my dad used to do what you do pat first corinthians 10 jesus said hey there's no test you're going to face that i can't get you out of he said i won't let you get pushed past your limit I think so many times we bind the devil when we really should be talking to our mirror. Because you're the one who decided to look at that. And Robert Frost said it best. I love this. Because remember, it's a big work. I read it to you a little while ago. A big work. Not a small work. Jesus is he's a dreamer. He wants you to lead movements in cities. I look around this room and there are thousands and thousands of young people represented in this room. they're screaming for a father and you keep giving them a foster parent because you just jump every couple of years to the next church and so we're raising up a bastardly generation that doesn't know who the father is so we say praise the father and 34 percent says i don't know who that is 72 percent in the inner city say they don't know what a father is and we're saying let's worship the father and they're going what is that god says i love what robert frost said 
He said, Lord, help them to lay foundations strong enough to bear the weight you will later place on them. Can we get some foundation? Come on, give God a praise right now. Let's get some foundation the next couple of days. I, I, I promise I'm not here to rip you up. I promise I'm not here to, to discourage you or defeat you. I'm here to say, come on. Come on. Let's finish strong. Let's dream this thing. I Listen, well, I, I work for a jerk, Pat, and, and I, I hear it every week. I, I, and it's hard for me because I didn't. I literally did. Did we? I don't know what it's like to work for a jerk. Now, my staff might tell you they know what it's like. And it's gotten to a place where we can only preach ourselves because we've not had a fresh revelation of him lately. God's called us to holiness, and we're living in a generation where preachers can cuss, they can drink, they can do whatever they want. And let me just, please don't talk to me about that stuff. Why would I do stuff that God set my family free of? Why would I open that door? Not, I'm not being religious. I call it holiness. I call it separation. I call it standing up and saying, no, not our house, not our family. No, 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 no. We can't let that. Listen, I don't trust my flesh that much. Maybe you're really good with your flesh and you just keep it whipped down. But let me tell you something. I don't trust mine. And, and that's why God gave me Karen because she helps me. She'll go, whoa, you got to change. And, and I've never said that to her. I, I want to jump ahead. You're with me. We're going to skip over some of those verses I put down. And so many times have we forgotten that we're begotten? When's the last time you danced before him? Gosh, when's the last time you just fell on your knees and said, it's me? No titles. No Twitter followers. No cool cliches or great sermons. It's me. Right here. It's the same guy at 16 years old that you walked into his bedroom and he got saved. I got saved because Jesus walked into my bedroom. Not because of church. Because I, at that time, wasn't a big fan of it. In fact, I had never seen ministry done right until I worked for you. So dysfunctional. Karen wasn't raised in ministry, and she'd say, that's the way it is? Well, that's the way I was raised. My brother's here. My hero, Scott, I love you. And he and I have had to spend years kind of just going, ah, where's the next shower? But so many times it's easy in ministry. And like Adam and Eve, we, we're his begotten children and we were chosen and created by him. And he loves us and he smiles at us and he'll dance with you and he wants to hang out with you. But it's really hard to do that. And John 1 verse 9, it says the life light was the real thing. Every person entering life, he brings into light. He was in the world. The world was through him. And yet the world didn't even notice. He came to his own people, but they didn't want him. But whoever did want him, who believed he was, who he claimed and would do what he said, he made to be their true Selves, their child of God selves. He says, I'll make you yourself. I love that. These are the God begotten. Not the blood begotten, not the flesh begotten, not the sex begotten, the God begotten. It's almost as if we forgot that he was made of flesh. And first John 4 2 says that the Son of God who came as actual flesh and blood person. So let me share this, and then I'll, I'll be done. I'm going to give it to Adam in just a moment, because Adam, I think you're supposed to just tag with me. But 
I call this next part the, the lion, the corpse, and the donkey. Wish I'd showed you the video. The video was actually really cool. I, I can't show it to you now. Can I give you 11 steps to... Can I give you 11, real soft, just the ambiance. Let me give you 11 steps to a forgotten anointing. What? I, I call this again, the lion, the corpse, and the donkey, because this passage of scripture is where the Lord took me this last week, and I shared this with our students at our school of ministry. And in 1 Kings chapter 13, how many of you know the story of the young prophet? Now, we don't know his name, because he wasn't in ministry long enough to have a name. First Kings 13 says, By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel. As Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering, by the word of the Lord, he cried out against the altar, altar, altar. This is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here and human bones will be burned on you. That same day the man of God gave a sign. A little bit softer. This is the sign that the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart and ashes on it will be poured out. Heck yeah, wouldn't that be cool? Walk into a service and say, you know what? There's sin here, watch this. Boom, altar splits. You would be all over charisma. Would you write this down? 11 ways you lose the anointing, number one. Or 11 things you have to know about the anointing. And the message you give will cause enemies. Cindy Jacobs said it yesterday. I, I, I don't want to misquote her because she's such a prophet, but she said yesterday. She said, basically, if you're not fighting hell, you're not really in the ministry. I love what she said. She said, if you go into your promised land and don't face giants, then you're just a tourist. So the message you, you give will cause enemies. First Kings 13 verse 4 goes on to say, When King Jeroboam heard, about, heard what the man of God cried out against the altar, listen to this. He, said, he says, he stretched out his hand and he said, Seize him! But the hand he stretched out toward the man shriveled up so that he could not pull it back. Can I tell you number two? Your realm of protection is always in view of the altar. To the level you're protected is to the level your prayer life exists. So if you've just been operating lately off your personality, wow. That makes you a Judas. Because that's what Judas did. He sat in service after service, but sold him right after seeing an outpouring of God. Verse 5. Also the altar was split apart and its ashes poured out, just like... It prophesied according to the sign given by the man of God, by the word of the Lord. Number three, write this down. You'll be asked to heal what tried to destroy you. Is that crazy or what? Then the king said to the man of God, intercede with us. Verse six, the Lord your God and pray for me. That may, I mean, you're going to be asked to heal. And the Bible says he prays for the man and his arm gets healed. Number four, your anointing can be bought. It's all right in this little one little chapter. The king said to the man of God, come home with me for a meal. I'll give you a gift. But the man of God answered the king, even if you were to give me half your possessions, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water here. For I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. So he took another road. So God gave him a, a rule. Go command the king, but don't 
eat with anybody and don't go home the same way you came. Number five, write this down real quick and I'm just hurrying. As the anointing on you grows, the interruptions will get louder. You want to touch the world? You can't even turn off your cell phone at home. I can tell you about two years ago, Karen said, turn the phone off. For verse 11, now there's a certain old prophet living in Bethel, watch out now, whose sons came and told him all the man of God had done there that day. They also told their father what he had said to the king. Their father asked them, which way did he go? And the son showed him which road the man of God from Judah had taken. So he said to his son, saddle the donkey for me. And, that, and when they had saddled the donkey for him, he, shot, he mounted it and rode after the man of God. He found him sitting under an oak tree and asked, are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am. Now, here's the situation. King says, stay here. He says, no way. You can't buy my anointing. He goes home. On the way home, an old prophet hears about this great move of God. The altar is split. He sends his boys to check him out. His boys find out where he's at. He jumps on a donkey. An old prophet rides to meet him. Are you the man of God? I am, he replied. So the prophet said to him, come home with me and eat. But the man of God said, I cannot turn back and go with you, nor can he, he recited what God had promised. His promises. Number six, write this down. Stay true to your mantle. What has he called you to? This man's mantle was don't eat with anybody and don't go home the same way. Verse 17. I've been told by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water that will return by the way you come. The old prophet said, I too am a prophet, as you are. And the angel said to me by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you. But he was lying. So you know what happens. He goes to the man's house. Number seven, watch this now. When you compromise, the whole room will know it. Secret sin is the loudest voice in the room. You will tell on yourself. He cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of the Lord and you've not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. You came and ate and drank water at the place where he told you not to. Therefore, your body will not be buried in the tomb of your ancestors. Number eight, listen to me. Your gifts and ministry can betray you. When you begin to rely on ministry and gifts to be your sustenance, it will betray you. It's about relationships. And, and I'll, I'll jump through because we know what happens all of a sudden while they're eating, the man of God just, it's like, just like this, this Holy Ghost thing hits him and this old prophet starts going, oh, hey, you defied the word of the Lord. He had already lied to him. Wait a minute. It's his first day of ministry. He has just preached the greatest message. The altar is split. I mean, this is sick. This is one of those ministries that you're going oh my gosh why isn't that kind of anointing on me why can't I lay hands on people and raise the dead pastor Bunky told me he said Pat I walk into every service and I know that God is there hundred percent but we talk about him like he's a percentage well I kind of felt God today but God's always hundred percent so I expect miracles and you should expect miracles boy it shifted me it changed me he also said he's never complained about having to travel ever and I that's not here and because I hate Delta half the time but Oh, 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 we got to read this. When the man of God had finished eating and drinking, verse 23, the prophet brought him his donkey. Donkey always represents ministry. Remember that. 
As he went on his way, a lion met him on the road and killed him, and his body was left lying on the road. And with both donkey and lion standing beside it, some people who passed by saw the body lying there, and with the lion standing beside the body, and they went and reported the city where the old prophet lived. And when the prophet who had brought him back from his journey heard of it, he said, It is the man of God who defied the word of the Lord. The Lord has given him over to the lion, which has mauled him and killed him. And as the word of the Lord had warned him, the prophet said to his son, Saddle the donkey for me, and they did so. Then he went out, and this is critical right here. This is critical, and I'm done. They found the body lying on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside it. They found the body on the side of the road with the donkey right here and the lion right here. The ministry right here and his anointing right there. That lion-like spirit, that warlike spirit. He was lying in the middle of his ministry and his anointing, and he was dead because it mauled him. Oh, you're not getting this. And, 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 and then he went out and found the body, and the lion had neither eaten the body nor mauled the donkey. The anointing didn't beat up the ministry. So the prophet picked up the body of the man and laid it in the donkey and brought it back to his own city to mourn for him and bury him. The verse 30, there it is. And people passed by. Josh, I said you could hold the number five up for other speakers. Okay. And then they, it says people passed by and they went, it's a sad day, brother. The tomb, write this down, the tomb of yesterday's ministry. Remember, because he buried him in the tomb of the old prophet. The tomb of yesterday's ministry is full of lost potential. And the old prophet said to his sons, bury me where he's buried. Can I say this to you? Verse 32, for the message he declared by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel, against all the shrines and the high places in the towns of Samaria, will certainly come true. Don't be known by your last sermon. Write that down. Bible goes on to say, it says Jeroboam didn't change. We all know about Jeroboam. Anyone who wanted to become a priest, he consecrated for the high places. And this was the sin of the house of Jeroboam that he led, led to its downfall and its destruction from the face of the earth. And number 11, I'll tell you and I'm done. When you compromise, your message will be forgotten. It's just another voice quieted. It's a sad day, brother. Your marriage is too big. Your kids are too important. Your husband's too important. Your future wife's too important. I just don't want to be the guy that preached a great message, but stuck somewhere between his anointing and his ministry. He's laying there dead. Stuck between the donkey and the lion. Because the lion leads you. And God told me to come and say, this conference is about getting real. And he gave me this last week when I wrote it and then I rewrote it last night. He said, tell him. Rather than lying dead between the anointing and the ministry, get off the ministry, get off the donkey. Lay next to the anointing. And either you're going to be on your back dead or you're going to be on your face getting healed. The reason why we put this conference together crazy step of faith thingy is 
because the Holy Spirit said, and I've been getting prophetic words from Arizona to Ohio to Nate, your pastor sent me a prophetic word this morning. And each one said, prophesy to them and tell them they can't quit. 70% of pastors don't have a friend or mentor. 1,500 leave the ministry every month. 80% of pastors' wives wish their husband would get out of this thing. But God says, Adam, come give, come give us about five minutes, ten minutes. Share if you, is that okay? Just share. And then I'm going to give it to my mentor. But what if? What if we shut our eyes for just a minute? We're going to have deep times with the Holy Spirit, so don't think it's just preach, 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 preach. Actually, it probably is, but we're also going to have encounter times. Because we just like, we got to get, I got to let you hear from my fathers, the people that have rescued me. Glimberto, probably the greatest voice next to Karen in my life. When we were talking about this conference, pastor said, what will they say about them 10 years from now? Why are you doing this conference? Because I don't want a little boy to hear you in another room say, honey, I messed up. And that little boy come up to me at a youth camp, because I'm doing these youth camps. I'm 43 till I'm at least 70, probably. Josh McDowell is 80, and he told me a while back, you got to keep doing them. But I don't want your son or daughter to come up to me and say, my, my dad knows you. He's got a new family. It happens to me every week at camps all over America. And I just, you know what I do, don't I, Karen? We just, I go, come here. And I just shut up. Just kind of just hold him. And I'll hold him for about 30 seconds and then they explode. Tommy Barnett's church, one of the greatest pastors in America, his two sons did that to me. A pastor that had fallen, not Pastor Barnett, but a pastor that was there for a season. He used to pastor in Colorado Springs. His two boys just fell on me. Oh, shut your eyes. I'm sorry. Shut your eyes. God says, I don't want you to sleep in eternity next to the lion in the ministry but I want you to walk into eternity holding that person you love's hand that wife or that husband and dancing saying we made it because heaven's not about ministry it's not about the donkey it's not even about the lion it's about the king and God says you can split the altar one morning and be dead that evening if you play with his anointing so with every eye shut across this room, how many of you say, Pat, I don't want to end up dead on the side of the road, stuck between the lion and the donkey. Raise your hands now.